Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the No Huddle Show with Mike and Sam. We got Sam on the line calling in from Michigan. How are we doing today? What's going on, Mike? You know, uh, same old, same old. You know, living the dream one day at a time. I'm excited and super happy right now. I'm sorry? I said you sound super excited and super happy. Excited, super fucking excited. You're definitely not super fucking excited. I'm totally selling it. (laughs) Super necessary. Oh. Yeah, I got to work in like 45 minutes. Oh. Uh, yeah. This is your work. What are you talking about, Sam? Right, this is, right. This is it, man. With our, I should just tell them that this is my work and I got to do my work, real work. Real work, real, real work. Um, It's Super Bowl week. Uh, today's show, we're going to still kind of fan out across all the sports. Uh, Sam's got to go here in about 45 minutes, so I'll I'll bring home the bacon in the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, but uh, we're going to get to as much as we can. Friday's show will be all about the Super Bowl. We won't be talking about anything else come Friday. Maybe a chronic corner on Friday, potentially. But really, that's about it. We'll be discussing Super Bowl. we got a lot of different things planned for the Friday show. All right, we're going to kick things off. Um, I, I want to talk about something the latest coaching hires, the the hell are they thinking, man? I got the Dolphins and the Texans. I mean, what? That, I mean, the Texans, like, I think the Texans are looking for Lovey Smith to kind of strike, you know, with some lightning maybe possibly. Like he did, well, maybe twice in his career, two different teams, you know, with the Bucks and then, yeah, but with no, the he Bears initially, coach. maybe, you know? He was never head coach of the Bucks, though. Oh, he was never head coach of the Bucks? No. He was oh, not no. even like a takeover as an interim? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Oh, wow. So he was always with Chicago? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he was a coordinator in Tampa Bay under Tony Dungy, but he was never the head coach. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but he was re- most recently head coach of the Illinois football team in the Big Ten, and um, yeah, that didn't work out too well. He was fired. So uh, then Mike McDaniel, who apparently is a minority hire uh, that the Dolphins got, um, he identifies as biracial, although he looks about as white as snow um, in this picture. I'm not really seeing. Uh, much uh, biracialness in him, but, you know, whatever. Who cares? Anyways, he is the new coach of the Miami Dolphins. He spent the last year as offensive coordinator for the 49ers. And I think the I think the 49ers get some, like, compensatory picks of, of some sort, right, for they, – They're going to get two third-round picks for – That's ridiculous. Get, for, you get so much talent in the third round, it's ridiculous. Basically, of course there's talent in the third round. Come on, man. Come on, of course. Of course. DK Metcalf, third-round pick. So they get two compository third-round picks for basically developing a minority candidate who now became – we'll see. I don't know. They also probably got it for uh, for Saleh as well. For what? 
for for Salah. Salah, Salah when he went oh, to the yeah. Jets. Yeah. He yeah. also got those picks as well. Yes. Although I don't know if Salah counts for them because basically, well, he should. No, he is a minority coach, bro. Of course. I mean, if it hundred percent. Is the rule is you have to develop a person in your organization who then? Yeah, he's been, he was there for a couple of years. I thought he came from somewhere else, but then looking at Mike McDaniel's resume, he didn't start in San Francisco. He was in Cleveland and Washington and Atlanta as well. So. Uh, I guess they, he followed Shanahan wherever he went. Yeah, so he's he's there now. You have Lovey Smith who uh, takes over. I, I don't know if this is to appease Deshaun Watson. Like if they, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. They don't even know if he's going to be fully cleared. Like with the suspensions, possibly he might still have to face some uh, sort of suspension for getting into some trouble. I have to eat my words. A little bit. I have to eat my words because he was head coach in Tampa for two seasons. Yeah, thank you. 2014, 2015, where he went a beautiful two and fourteen and six and ten. Yeah, I know. I know. Before he got the boot, right? Yeah. But he he was the muscle hamster years with with uh, Doug with, Martin. Yeah. Yeah. He was in Chicago for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight for nine seasons, where he made the playoffs three times. Lost in the NFC title game, lost in the Super Bowl, and then lost in the Carolina Panthers in the divisional game in 2005. Other than that, he he basically, but he still had he had five winning seasons in Chicago in nine years. He was nine and seven in 2008, didn't qualify for the playoffs. Ten and six in 2012, and didn't qualify for the playoffs. So I, I don't know though, man. It's gonna uh, to me. Lovey Smith, it's gonna have to. He's gonna have to have good coordinators. He's going to have to. And, and a lot of people forget that in his run in Chicago, in the early run, Ron Rivera was his defensive coordinator. And, and they had uh, some really good coaches. And it, you know, I, I just I don't I don't know if I see this playing out very well in Houston. I think Deshaun Watson still plays a big role as to where the team's going to be headed. So without even um, – let's not even look – I'm not going to even look at the coaching possibilities, right? I, I want to see if the, the player that they expect to be their franchise player, if he's going to even play next year. You know, yeah. He may serve – again, like I was saying before, he may some serve some sort of suspension because, you know, obviously there were reports out. Some of it was – some of it might have been true. Like we were talking earlier, it's a controversy – some of it could be dictated as well. We don't know how it's going to pan out, but if he's not going to play, then Levy Smith has has the uh, uh, <laughs> coaching Davis Mills or whoever the hell else you know he has over there. Yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like next year Houston's probably like a two-win team next year. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, hey, I, I just don't, I don't know, but is, do you find it funny, Sam? And sorry for the congestion, viewers. I'm, I'm battling a little bit of a cold. Or, viewers the hell am I thinking um anyways you find it a little funny that the Dolphins and Texans both made minority hires a few days after the lawsuit was dropped yeah I I mean it could be very well part of a settlement of some sort that we don't know anything about right 
I was just thinking more or less they're just doing this to save face. I don't expect – I honestly don't see Lovey Smith being in Houston for longer than two seasons. I just – I don't see it happening. I think he's gone. I don't even think he'll make – he might not I – don't, I don't know. Who knows? But they fired Cully after one year, and they can't really afford to let go of Lovey Smith after one year. But who who knows, man? I just – then the same tiring defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen, who had two disastrous years in Oakland. Um, I, I don't know, man. I feel like none of these – you could make a case for maybe Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, which also to me is not an overwhelmingly wow hire. But none of these hires that were made – we talked about this on Friday. So far, none of these hires, you're like, wow, this team's got a good young up-and-coming coach. This guy's going to make strides. There's there's no wow factor in any of these coaching hires. No, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the the wow factor, um, they were going for that with that in in in, in Miami. I think um, maybe kind of what the Eagles did when they took Nick Sirianni as well. There was yeah. a little bit of wow factor there as well. But I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. They're still terrible hires. My opinion. <laughs> but you hated the Nick Sirianni hire. You hated it. I still hate it. <laughs> I still hate it. The guy's a high school coach. <laughs> All right. Um, Sean McVay coaching in his second Super Bowl. We know how disastrous. The he first... came in such a loaded onto such a loaded roster. Yeah, that... and they're still loaded now, but they, they they don't have any draft picks to like 2026. So they better they better win something for all this, but. Do you think Sean McVay's learned any lessons from the Super Bowl? Do you think that his offense will hold up better in this game than he did against Bill Belichick's team? Yeah, I mean, when you go up against Bill Belichick, it's like a master defensive, you know, genius kind of deal. You know, every play that you're – if he, he picks up on patterns, he picks up on, on you know – certain types of, of movement in the line. It's nuts. He, he's really good at playing. His defense can go up against almost any quarterback in the league and, yeah. and kind of do well. You know, not. I'm not saying, you know, he's going to go ahead and, and hold Aaron Rodgers to like four picks and no touchdowns or something like that, but he might make his job a lot harder. You know, it might be a grind-out type of win for Aaron Rodgers and even great, and these are great quarterbacks, right? So it's a complete different look that he's going to be seeing in the NFL, I mean, in the Super Bowl, rather. And I think this time around, I have to say that he has a lot more faith in Matt Stafford than Jared Goff. So, I, I mean, you'd have to. Jared Goff is um, not nearly the same caliber quarterback as Matthew Stafford is. No, no, agreed, agreed. But I'm just saying, you know, just overall scenario, you know your defense is still good. Even then, their defense was good. You know, yeah. They had a good defense when they went up against the Patriots, but – they, I mean, it's it's Tom Brady. You know, the, again, you're going to have some trouble. And if you can't muster up the offense to keep pace, then you're in trouble. And the Rams, you know, offense has the ability to keep pace. That's the thing. Um, so, you know, they were, they were talking about uh, the Rams and Sean McVay and um, a lot of things like what he could learn from – you know, his past Super Bowl era, and he had a lot of hard times making adjustments. He had a really difficult time 
I don't think there's any question that the Rams will probably be able to get more pressure on the quarterback in this game than they did against the Patriots a few years ago. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is not as talented, but there's ways for the Bengals to kind of get around that. If they almost neutralizing the pass rush by getting the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly and, and leaning on the run game, uh, do you think the Bengals can be successful running the ball against the Rams, who I believe had a top ten rush defense in the league? Uh, if they can, if they could somehow find a run game, then yes, they definitely, definitely can. Can the thing is um, with the Rams, the teams that have played well uh, against them when it comes to running the ball, they've done their job in like kind of wearing them out throughout yeah. the course of the game. So. Yes, you have your Von Millers, your Aaron Donald, you have Weddle, you have Ramsey, you have, you know, a, a great defense that is there. But if you make them grind it out, if you give the ball to Joe Mixon 25 times and you make them work for every one of those tackles, it will put a little bit of pressure on them. And that, and, and in, that in that token, you know, by having the, the defense kind of gassed, you know, you can take advantage of, a 50-yard Jamar Chase, you know, touchdown. Um, Things of that nature, you can – the big play potential then goes through the roof because the the defense is kind of on their heels. You know, they're on their heels. They're they're looking to to make sure that they just get a stop at that point. And out of nowhere, this – again, the Bengals have the star power to to pull off those kinds of, you know, uh, you have Boyd, Higgins, uh, you know, Chase. All of them can – pop off 50-yard or 60-yard or touchdowns, you know. So it's possible. They're really good at safety, I have to say. that The Rams do play well at safety. So maybe it's not that, – that may not happen, you know. Um, whereas the other teams, the the, the, the Bengals have had um, very good um, – very good, uh, you know, success against. I would say, like, for the Chiefs, for, for that matter, right, they've had a lot of success against the Chiefs. Yeah, you could say Tyron Matthew is an elite safety – but Weddle is way better at at zone, and and that and you know he's a lot smarter too of a safety than Tyron Matthews in my opinion. But Eric Weddle was out of the league until the playoffs. He yeah, it's out. okay. I mean, he was he was out like, but you should see what he did the last two games. He he's bolstered their back end of the field. You literally have to see what what he's done the last couple of games. So I mean. I'm not taking that away. He's a very he's a wily veteran, man, and he's playing a position that doesn't require him to be super athletic. He, he needs to use his IQ, and yeah. he's used his IQ his entire career. So it's not like it's something new he has to learn, you know, as a vet. So he was never athletic. He was he always used his 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 football IQ, you know, to to make the right play at the right time. So I like the Rams defense when it comes to that. But some gas, man, it's a possibility. Make Mixon grind out like 90 yards on like 20 20 plus carries. Yeah, it'll get the defense gas, you know. So um, that that's there's see the the good thing is that even if even if the Rams like strike a bunch of times, like you know that Cincinnati has the ability to pop some stops and then just get right back into it. So. So I'm going to get to uh, the enemy of the show, Nick Wright. Um, I hate Nick Wright. Um, I don't think I've made my feelings very clear uh, many times. He has some terrible takes. Now, he's been on air since the Bengals beat the Chiefs talking about 
how much better the Rams are, and the Rams should be favored by more than four and a half points. And I'm going to play some audio clips here. But, you know, kind of not giving the Bengals any credit, saying that this is probably going to be a three-touchdown Super Bowl. I think there's something that has to be said about the road you took to get to the Super Bowl. The Rams, let's look at those games they got at home. The Bucks game, they let the Bucks come all the way back from, what was it, a 28-3 to deficit to tie the game? And then, and then the Rams finally did something on offense after the Bucks tied it up and got the game on the field goal. Uh, I, I'm sorry, what was that final score? Was that 20 to 17? I think it was. I, I don't remember. The 2017 was against the 49ers, but uh, the Rams came all the way back against the the Bucks, or they allowed the Bucks to come all the way back against them, and then they, they sat there and won on a on a walk off field goal. Meanwhile, the Bengals beat the Raiders at home. Then they went on the road and took out the Titans and the Chiefs. They beat the number one and number two seeds to get to the Super Bowl on the road. And the highest-seeded team the Rams beat was the Bucks number two, who they almost gave the game away to. Everybody likes to talk about the, the Rams' offense. Where was the Rams' offense? when the Bucks were coming all the way back against them. I mean, so look, you can't really look at that particular game as a comparison because the Titans, the Raiders, and the Bucks, out of all three of them, the Bucks are the only ones that have a decent defense. Um, you know, the other two opponents were not, uh, you know, they're not superior defenses, whereas the Bucks ranked in the top five, top eight, I think, in, in run deep, maybe even top ten. I don't know. could be wrong. But, you know, they're, they're – you know, strategy, they, the way that they play defense, it's the same, you know, Todd Bowles-led defense that won a Super Bowl. So they're still really, a really good defense. So I can see how, you know, you can say the, the Rams were stymied a bit. You know, their offense, they're, they're such great offense that does, you know, wonders with OBJ and Cup and Michelle and everybody else. You know, um, but with all that, right, I'll still say that, that yes, you know, they let the Bucks come back, but then again, they also had – it was Tom Brady that, that brought them back, really. You know, it wasn't a regular quarterback that came back and, and, and went on them. If it was like, a, I don't know, a Trevor Lawrence or like a Zach Wilson trying to come back, it's not, that's not even close. It's not even happening, right? That, that Aaron Donald-led defense is still destroying them. But it's Tom Brady, decent O-line. Um, still had questions, question marks on that O-line, but – Regardless, so you can't take the Bucks. I don't think that you could take the Bucks game as like a, a real. It changes the pattern, you know, for 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 the Rams' path. Um, anyways, uh, the Bengals still they're they're a Cinderella team, you know. They they they've gotten through their their opponents in you know the end justifies the means. They won. I don't get, care what anyone says. Whether you win by a field goal, or you win by a safety, you win by one point, you win you win the game, right? So. You know the Bengals have won three straight going into the play, you know going into the Super Bowl, and they're they're doing great. They have a great offense. They have a, a, a reliable defense, a defense that kept Patrick Mahomes in check. You know, um, yeah. so you know if you could keep Patrick Mahomes in check, you could keep Stafford in check. So I mean that's what I'm saying. That's why it it seems like it's a really good matchup on paper for the Bengals, but 
um, you know, that defense is the one that has, you know, me worried, you know, that, that Los Angeles defense, you know, because um, they are they're smart, man. They're just a very, very smart defense, you know, and they're, they're manned well across the board. You know, they have a lot of smart veterans that have won Super Bowls on their own, like Von Miller, you know. Um, they have experience on the roster that helps a bunch when it comes to times like this, right, to keep their young guys in check um, throughout the game flow. There's a lot of, like, intangibles, I think, that defense brings that 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 would have me worried if I were the Bengals. Okay. Uh, we had a caller. I was trying to get to the caller, but the caller dropped. Uh, sorry, caller. If you want to call back in, 563-999-3761, we'll get to you. I was getting ready to answer. I was trying to let Sam finish his point real quick. And, oh, you uh, should have cut me off, man. Callers always deserve, you know. I was know, trying to cut off, but I, but I wasn't successful. I was trying to. Uh, that's why we need a producer. But that's okay. Uh, real quick, though, the Bucks. I just want to point this out. The Bucks had the third-ranked rush defense in the NFL, but the 23rd passing defense in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, so, so they can present problems because um, a lot of teams are like they need to get their run game going before they can open up their pass game, right? Um, so it, it can come in handy against certain teams. Other teams, it may be, you know, just it, it just may not work for them, right? So here's Nick Wright's take. So we got two, one from his show, first things first, then again when he appeared on Colin Cowherd. Let's take a listen to the audio. I think the Rams should be able to handle them with relative ease, but that is not necessarily bad news for Bengals fans because here's the deal. There have been 12 playoff games so far this postseason, Broussard. I, in the, when I do the picks against the spread, I'm 8-4 and four picking those games. 8-1 yeah. and one in non-Bengals games. 0-3 oh in Bengals games. Mm-hmm. I've picked against them against the spread every single time and every single time they've covered. So... I am maybe not the best barometer on how good the Bengals are. I will admit that on the front end. I've been locked in on everything except for the Bengals. With that said, Brew, I don't see how the Bengals – I don't see one clear-cut advantage the Bengals have. Not one. Against most teams, it is, well, Jamar Chase. I don't know about against Jalen Ramsey. Certainly, I don't think the Bengals' defense – matches up well against the Rams' offense in any phase unless Sean McVay idiotically decides to just try to pound the run. If they go to the quick passing game followed by the deep passing game, I don't think the Bengals can keep up with them there. And I, the, the advantage that you saw the Titans be able to, the way they were able to take advantage of the Bengals' offensive line, the way the Chiefs weren't in truly pathetic fashion in the second half, I expect the Rams to be able to do in triplicate with Von Miller with Leonard Floyd, and most importantly, right up the middle, Aaron Donald. I think Joe Burrow is going to be under massive duress. I still don't think Zach Taylor is a very good coach. Sorry, Zach, I know you're in a Super Bowl. Happy for you, buddy. Don't think he's a very good coach. And I think the Rams (laughs) are far and away the better team. I think four and a half is too small of a number. Wow. All right, look, I'm with you in that. So that was number one. So, hold on real quick before we go to number two. Um, how do you have team-specific stats? You know, um, fine, you're good at picking games against the spread on other teams, but now you're 0-3 with the Bengals. So, I mean, add those three L's 
onto your overall calling for the spread. Yeah. You know, in the NFL, you you stupid idiot. How can you just say, oh, yeah, I just called Bengals games wrong? That's just absolutely retarded. You can't call games, period, then, I guess, you know. If you're going to go team-specific, show me a stat for a team that he's continuously, besides the Bengals, that he's always wrong on, you know, over the years. This is one year, so whatever. I, I hate the guy, too, man. I absolutely hate him. You know, the thing is, that's funny, though, is if the Chiefs had beat the Bengals, he'd be picking them over the Rams, over the Rams by a lot. Of course, because he lo- he's, he's riding, you know, high on Patrick Mahomes, you know? He is. And the, the other thing is, he says the Bengals can't stop the Rams' offense. I think the Chiefs' offense is just as explosive as the Rams, is it not? But it's, see, here's, here's the thing. I think the Chiefs' offense is way more explosive than the Rams. The problem is the Rams' defense allows the Chiefs uh, – allows the, the, their, their offense to be on the field longer and tire out and gas out the defense, right? Whereas Kansas City's defense is absolute trash, right? They're constantly either giving up points or, or just rushing the offense back onto the field because they've given up the – in five minutes, the touchdown, you know, they've given up points, you know or a field goal or something, you're rushing the offense back onto the field, they're just tired. They probably just went 80 yards, touchdown, and now you're asking them to come five, eight minutes later. You know, that's retarded. You know, so that's what I'm saying. The, the Chiefs' defense and the Rams' defense, are, that are, they allow their offenses to be either better or worse. Uh, but you know what the thing is? The Kansas City defense was not that bad. They, they were really bad early. And then they no, they were they were bad, dude. You know, they were bad throughout the season. They had a little pick me up a couple a couple weeks in a row. Uh, they were a, 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 a fantasy you know commodity for for a couple of weeks in a row. I had them. I had a couple of 20, 20 plus pointers. You know, return touchdowns, all kinds of crap. That was great. But they, then they went back to being who they were the rest of the season. All right. Well, here's a, a, a stretch here. Granted, they played the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. It was the Giants, the Packers, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Broncos, and the Raiders again. And in all these wins, they allowed 17, 7, 14, 9, 9, 9 points, and then allowed only 10 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 28 against the Chargers. So, I I don't know, that, that whole turnaround, that defense was only giving up around 13 points a game in that stretch of wins. So, I, I don't know. I, I, statistically, it wasn't the best, but I don't think it was as bad as what a lot of people said. Uh, but here's Nick Wright on Colin Coward. With that said, let me say this on the front end. You know, once upon a time, America tuned in with bated breath to Colin's Blazing Five. That has, of course, since been overtaken by Nick's picks weekly <laughs> on First Things First, as I think I had the best record against the spread of anyone in the media. In these playoffs, Colin... I'm 8-1 and one against the spread in non-Bengals games, and I'm 0-3 in the Bengals games. I've picked against them each time, and I've been wrong each time, so maybe Bengals fans can hold on to that bit of hope. But the way I look at it is this. The Bengals have to beat you with their offense. Jalen Ramsey's the best corner in football, so you can either single him on T. Higgins and double Jamar Chase and take both of your top two options away, or you can just put him on... Jamar Chase, that's not good. The Bengals' offensive line, we know. is. We saw what Jeffrey Simmons and others did do it against in the Titans game. Well, now it's Aaron Donald and then Von Miller on one corner 
and Leonard Floyd on the other edge. I just feel like this is, of all the teams that could have won the NFC, the Rams are the worst possible matchup for Cincinnati. So I'm super excited for the game. And listen, Joe Burrow has been proving me wrong all year. You and I both were not as high on him the moment he graduated as everyone else. And then we both were sold on him within a month of his NFL career getting going. So it's not an anti-Burrow take. I just think the Rams have so many advantages when Cincinnati has the ball that I think the Rams are, you know, in a really good position to beat them in a not particularly close game. Um, If Burrow wins, and I know you are a a fan of Patrick Mahomes, but he's 2-0 against Mahomes, and and if he does win, what do we call Burrow? Well, where is he on the on the on the poll? Uh, on on for... no, if he wins, he gets to say he's the best quarterback in football. Whether I would believe it or not, like if if Joe Burrow's football life of the last few years is undefeated college football champion, Heisman Trophy, best statistical season ever, then injury, then Super Bowl champion, and en route to winning the Super Bowl, you go two and zero against the best quarterback in football, Patrick Mahomes then you get to be the best quarterback in football. Yeah. Like, I, 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 that, that would be fair. Like, yeah. these titles, Colin, I've told you many a time, I am dripping in what? Objectivity. So you say <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm just a truth teller. And, I, you know, I know, I don't really know all your Mahomes opinions because I literally took my earpiece out during the break <laughs> when we were playing some compilation of you crushing Mahomes. I said, they might have video of it. I said, I can't listen to this. I took it out, and then I realized we were going to be on the air. But Burrow will have earned it yep. if they win the Super Bowl. One last thing about this game before we move on. I want the audience to know something. In vintage Colin Cowherd fashion, yeah. Colin was off Friday, as you guys mentioned. Right. Joey did a great job filling in. Colin, I want the audience to know this. I hope I'm not betraying the confidence. When Colin is off on a weekday, the takes still keep percolating, <laughs> and he needs someone to receive them. So I get a random... Right around the time your show would be ending, phone call on Friday. I'm like, isn't Colin on vacation? Doesn't even say hello, America. Just launches into a Super Bowl take. Like it was like, like the valve, like a pressure valve was about to burst and he had to release it. That's how you become Colin Coward. He was like, this take has to be given. I'm not on the air. I'm calling Nick. So I actually got a preview to the open of the show 72 hours ago. It was great. It was great. You, you I got that to... Stafford Rogers take a few days ago. You all right, so not a lot there that he didn't say already on the first thing, but just his love for Mahomes. I found a clip earlier that I couldn't get aired onto the show, but where basically he was saying Patrick Mahomes, when he won MVP and then won the Super Bowl, that if he retired now, he'd be in the Hall of Fame already. And I just couldn't believe that. Two seasons in the league and he's a Hall of Famer. Just I know Patrick Mahomes right. is his level of fanboy for Patrick Mahomes is just on a whole nother level. Yeah, he uh, see he, here's my thing. Like people, we had this conversation before. Media today is just looking to get grab the headlines as much as they can, yeah. Regardless of what they're actually talking about, they could he could in his heart not feel a single way about that scenario, but. For, for the for the purpose of selling and and being known and being publicized, he's going to go ahead and take those takes. Yeah. 
Uh, last thing before we move on to our next segment is the Pro Bowl was just got all to watch. I haven't. <laughs> I didn't even watch the Pro Bowl, but I know Kamara got arrested after, <laughs> and he's facing five charges, which we're going to talk about in our next segment. Uh, but I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in years. I turned it on to watch with the kids and the wife who wanted to watch it. They now play two hand touch in the Pro Bowl. They don't even tackle anymore. I mean, it's kind of, it's, a, it's a bit like the NBA All Star Game, you know. It doesn't. Like flag football game, though. So let me ask, because I have a couple ideas that I've seen floating around the internet that I would like to elaborate. Could have been flag, right? It, it could have been flag, but two hand touch. Well, how would you fix the Pro Bowl? I would actually not have like stars play in the Pro Bowl for the NFL because there's so many players. And if you want to make it competitive, I would take your like second tier stars, and 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 run a full competitive game, and um you know you know uh, it's a it's a way for second for upcoming stars it's like a rising stars challenge but like competitive you know, um because the stars are too afraid to get injured you know they're too afraid to put their careers on the line NFL careers are so much shorter than NBA careers and MLB careers. They, most of these players don't want to get tackled and then tear an ACL while they're playing the Pro Bowl. Same reason why some of these players in, in, in college don't want to play in the Senior Bowl and they don't want to play sometimes in, in these nationally televised bowls. You know, maybe it's not, you know, your national championship, but it's your lesser of bowls. But nonetheless, they, they opt out in playing in the bowl because they don't want to get injured because they know they're declaring for the draft the next year. Right. So I had two – one idea I got off the internet, which I thought was a brilliant idea. The other one I was just thinking of, if you want to keep it with Mahomes and Josh Allen and some of these other guys that play, fine, fine, do two-end touch or maybe switch it to flag, uh, less chance of getting hurt. But do what the NBA does. Get rid of the AFC and NFC, NFC conferences. Have right, yeah, yeah, do like a voting. Uh, captains and, like, you can go across conferences and divisions and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let them pick their team. The second one is just get rid of the Pro Bowl altogether. Let it be like an end-of-season award, like if you're elected to the Pro Bowl, but you don't have an actual game. Instead, take the two teams. This is what I've read on the Internet. Take the two teams with the worst record, which this year would have been the Jaguars and Lions, and let them have an actual game to determine who gets the top draft pick. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. The number one draft takes on the line, Lions and Jaguars. And- oh, that is so cool. That You know what? A lot of different sports, I mean, the NBA should do that too, really. Yeah. Yeah. But NBA is like, you know, you have your 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 pull, pull a rabbit out of the hat, you know. Yeah, the lottery. Deal. You know, not, not the worst. The worst record doesn't guarantee the number. Right. There's no guarantee based on record. Yeah. So, I think that would be great because then you get some exposure time for Jaguars and Lions fans. You know what I mean? And, and you have something to fight for, which is the first pick, right? Yeah, the first pick, yeah. And even if someone gets hurt, you have the entire offseason to get over it. So, True. unless True. it's for an ACL and then you're kind of fucked. But, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want I'm on St. Rob Brown, you know, getting injured playing the last game of the year. Right. Uh, to get the number one pick. See, that's the other thing. I, I'm also thinking from that perspective. I wouldn't want, you know, my, any of my rising stars to get hurt, and yet you still have to play yeah. them because you yeah. want that number one pick. Yeah. 
All right. So Sam touched on it. We're heading up the second segment now. Uh, Sam touched on it already. Kamara getting arrested. Now, on the grand scheme of things, this isn't like an eye-popping arrest. It apparently, it was a, a battery charge. He got in a fight at a There's club. There's five charges being levied against him. We all know he'll still play week one, obviously. But I I don't know, man. It, this is kind of a dumb thing. And if I'm the Saints, I'm kind of pissed that you're out there for the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas and you go out acting like a fool. But I don't know. There's no head coach. Or now they just hired a head coach in Dennis Allen. I feel like the Saints are about to go off the rails really, really fast. Like, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like the Saints are like a four-win team next year. Oh, yeah, it's going uh, it's gonna unravel pretty quick. You know, they have a shaky quarterback situation. They have, Absolutely. you know, possible – you know, let's be honest. If he, Even if he faces some sort of issue with community service and everything, the NFL still might suspend him two games to start the season, yeah. you know, just as like a disciplinary type of deal, you know. And then on top of that, he gets labeled – as a, a problem when he's looking for his next big contract, that's going to be an issue for him, you know. And it's Sean Payton, like, really. I, I hate to say this, but he kind of. I probably think he saw the downfall coming. Like, after Drew Brees left and he was not able to pull any other veteran quarterback, I think he made a shot at Philip Rivers. Um, he wasn't able to do that. Jameis Winston was out, ACL for the whole year. He kind of pull the plug on his career, really. Yeah. He's like, this. there's no way, because the Saints were always known as the team that can, that has good offense, good, you know, good coaches across the board, uh, an offensive genius, you know, when it comes to you know, Sean Payton. And then you always have Drew Brees. That was their ace, you know, ace in the pocket. The ace in the pocket was you had Drew Brees, and no matter what team you put around him, he was going to make them relevant one way or the other. You know, um, that that certainty is no longer there. So Sean Payton, as soon as he realized that the certainty was not there, he went ahead and called it a career. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and he might get back into coaching later on down the road, but I just, I don't see it. Um, I'll say this about the Kamara arrest. The guy that was put in the hospital, Darnell Green, um, he told the police that he called one and then told Kamara that I'll whoop your ass. And uh, then Kamara got in a fight with him. So here's my take on it. You tell a professional football player that you're going to beat their ass and you get your ass kicked. It should be an unwritten rule that you don't get to press charges. Yeah, man. But I'll be honest with you. Here's the other other take on it. The other take is that, first of all, even if that guy said that to Kamara, uh, Kamara should – all these NFL players that are stars, don't they have security? Don't they have somebody else that will take care of this for them, you know, without them having to lift a finger? This guy became, you know, uh, aggressive in whatever nature, and he had to be subdued by Kamara's security. That would have been the headline if he had a security team with him. So, uh, and you get your ass whooped. You just have to live with to me, to me, that's just as bad as like someone setting up a an accident and then faking an injury after the accident. You know, yeah. um, or like jumping out in front of a moving car. Oh yeah, my back, I can't move anymore. Now I'm going to sue you for for whatever I want to. But that's just as bad because he knew he was picking a fight that he couldn't win. A, 
Um, and, and B, if he was going to win, the only way he was going to win was monetarily. So he knows yeah. the guy has money. All right. I, uh, I have a lot of subjects that I want to get to um, today. I'm asking you to run through the end of the show, Mike. Okay. But I bought myself some time, man. Awesome. Um, I, I was going to make fun of the winner of Olympics, but that just doesn't seem like a necessity at this point. I don't care. I mean, it's a travesty, man. There's a bu- there's like a bunch of headlines out there saying that the, the, the food and the isolation and, and all the, the, the way that things are being done are just terrible. But, I mean, I don't know how much of that is true. And this is yeah. why I don't pay, really pay attention to the Winter Olympics ever, really. It's my, in my life is because it's like sports that I don't normally watch, right? Well, it's rich white kid sports is the yeah, Winter Olympics. Yeah, it's fine. It's rich white kid, kid sports, but it, it's, there's no sports. I'll accidentally turn on the X Games and be like, all right, this is cool, right? Uh, well, in, my, in, my, in my phase of like Tony Hawk Pro Skater and the, the whole – you know, snowboarding games and stuff like that, I'd be like, all right, cool, X Games is kind of cool, you know. But that's cool only for a little bit. I have no clue about the Winter Olympics. I have no idea, nor do I care. Is the bobsled on Winter Olympics. I'll watch the bobsled because that's pretty cool. Right, because it has a little bit of history behind it. There were, you know, there were a couple underdogs, and, you know, I I watched that one movie about the Jamaican bobsled team. Running, yeah, cool running. Great, great sports movie. But uh, regardless, not a lot of interest here on the Winter Olympics, so sorry, folks. But uh, I want to ask here, what what grade do you give the Cavs in the deal they got for Karis LeVert? They gave up a lot, man. They gave up a lot for somebody that's that's getting them about 18 points, I think six or seven boards. You know, um, I think the trade kind of makes sense for the way that the – Cavs are setting up their team. Um, it makes a little bit of sense in that sense, you know, in that in that uh, you know uh, from that perspective, it makes sense. But overall, uh, you know, they gave up. A, let me. Do you know what they officially gave up? They gave up a. a they gave up Ricky Rubio, who's out the year for the ACL. They have yeah, a twenty twenty. They have a twenty twenty two first round protected pick. Lottery protected. Lottery yep, yeah, lottery protected 2021, 2022 first round, 2022 second rounder from Houston, and a 27 second round selection, uh, you know, that was through Utah. And um, and and in return, the Pacers uh, give the a 2022 second rounder, which was Miami's. It wasn't even theirs. So, yeah. you know, they don't have, they didn't give out much a player and a pick that they didn't even have. It wasn't supposed to be theirs. It was it was from another trade. But, you know, for the Cavs, yeah, okay, fine. I can see how you want steady offense. The guy, And you know what? Don't get me wrong. The guy just dropped 40 points like a week and a half ago. So he can score. I just now think that they have too much of that. They have a big front court. They have guys that need the ball. They have Garland, they have Markinen, they have uh, they have a, 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 a bunch of play- Kevin Love off the bench. You know, you have a bunch of players now that kind of need to be fed. And maybe adding offense wasn't the smartest thing. Even though adding defense wouldn't have been the smartest smarter thing. What what should have happened is I think the Cavs should have gone gotten rid of some of their some of their assets for like a star. You know somehow managed to pull a star. I don't know where from, how, I don't know any of that, you know. But I think that would have been the move for the for the Cavs, right? 
necessarily like the trade, but I think that the Pacers made out in long term uh, building a foundation. They made they made they made the right move because they couldn't get rid of uh, Sabonis. They couldn't get really get rid of Brogdon. Um, Turner. You know they they couldn't get rid of Turner. Turner's their d- defensive anchor. You know um, they didn't move any of these guys because uh, they need them to build the future, right? And they're still relatively young. But they are still looking to swap. They're still in trade talks. They are. They are. But I don't think they're going to get rid of Sabonis. I, I don't think Sabonis is going to be in the mix to get rid of for them. Okay. So. All right. Uh, last thing, and uh, before we go on to our last segment. And this one I'm pretty passionate about. Um, LeBron James, there's been some talk that he's unhappy in L.A., uh, doesn't have a lot of faith in the team that Polinka has put together, and he might be looking to move maybe after this season's over. What would what would it do to LeBron's legacy as a player if he were to go to another team to chase championships? I think he's already tarnished his, his, his uh, legacy. You do. Whatever damage he's had, he he uh, inflicted upon himself. He's already done that. You know, the move from you know with Miami and then from from, from Miami, you I, know, b- back to Cleveland just for a feel good story, and then from Cleveland to the Lakers once he started losing. Like I, I think he's just now known as someone that wants to go around and collect rings and set up a team and then leave the team for failure the moment moment he leaves. When, yeah. when he left Miami, Miami was in shambles. When he left Cleveland, Cleveland was in shambles, you know? So uh, he, he goes in, he, he takes over the franchise, he makes helps make decisions on people, high-priced, you know, um, players. People are paid more when, it's, when LeBron's on the team because if he likes you or not, you know. It, 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 there's a ton of baggage that he drags around if he leaves the lakers to go to another team to become a secondary star let's say like the bucks or some shit like that um or like if he or let's say he you know he he's like you know what i want to do a second run in miami now we got jimmy butler bam 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 out of bio you know um that's it's a really good squad they have they have hero uh, they have um yeah, they wouldn't be able to keep all those guys if lebron goes there duncan robinson no it wouldn't be a trade it wouldn't be a trade because LeBron has one more year. That's what I'm talking about. Even if he signs as a free agent, they're not going to be able to pay all those guys. Correct. But LeBron, see, LeBron could 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 go, you know see LeBron will be 39 at that time, you know, or whatever yeah. it is, maybe 38, 39, or whatever. He might just be like, you know what, I'll come on as a veteran's minimum type of deal. I've made enough money. Let's get, let's get let's get Miami another championship. I just I don't know. To me, him bouncing around from team to team. You saw At this point, I would do some shit like that, to be honest with you. And the reason why I would do that is because you've already tarnished, tarnished your image. You might as well go chase those rings because all those finals appearances and, and the rings you have to show for it, they're still not enough. So you, you're not in the GOAT conversation until you complete some of those rings, right? Go chase them, man. It's the end of your career. Chase them if you have to. Even if you got two more rings, let's say going to play for like the Sixers or the Bucks or whoever, whoever, they're not going to matter in the eyes of people who are having the conversation about him and Jordan. And the thing about LeBron is the reason all these teams are laid to waste after he leaves is because he wants to have a big three. And then once LeBron leaves, 
nothing. The other two aren't aren't so big anymore, you know. Dwayne Wade and and the, and the boss still managed to make the playoffs after LeBron left, but Dwayne Wade was well past his prime at that point in time, and Bosch uh, started. Oh, so, see the thing is, Dwayne Wade from went from being primary scoring option, like top dog on that team, yeah. to now to, to to giving that up. When you're asked to take it back after you've given it up and you haven't had it for a couple of years, it's tough as you get older. You know, yeah. to 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 take that and and move forward with it. You know, and and it didn't help that they still had like bums on the squad. They still had, you know, Mario Chalmers and whoever else, the hell else he had on that team. And they didn't have any other talent. They didn't have draft picks either. And the same thing goes for Cleveland. Kyrie leaves, then Kevin Love is still there, but Kevin Love is is in the running for Sixth Man of the Year this year. You know, that just tells you what the, the one of those big three ended up being. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Love was really good in Minnesota, but... He was amazing. He, he had he had a 30-30 game, and I was shocked. He, yeah. he, that, that's, that's the type of player Kevin Love used to be. But at the same time, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving are not winners on their own because neither one of them could win games Correct. as Correct. a star player for their franchise before LeBron brought them in. At least... Wade had a championship before LeBron, and Bosch took the Raptors to the playoffs every single year pretty much. So, yeah, but, you know, but Wade's championship also was like, look, you know, I know everyone wants to say that Shaq wasn't that great when he left the Lakers. He was, but still that, good. He was, he was still really good. good, man. He needed – Dwayne Wade needed someone like that, you know, to be able to drop 18-20 and, and double-double all, every all game, you know. I'll give you that. I will give you that That Wade didn't do it on his own, that there was still quite a bit of talent on on that on that Heat team. I believe they had uh, – I might be wrong, but uh, they had uh, – well, they, they had Gary Payton. Or? They had Gary Payton, they had, um, and they had uh, Jason Williams. They had Eddie Jones. They had Alonzo Mourning still, who was older. They had Still, like wily veterans that could grind out games for you. Steve Smith was on that team. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they, they had a decent amount of players on that team. But uh, All those players are, were former All-Stars at least one time or more. If, if LeBron leaves, I think, I just, I don't know, I, I, I think it'll just be another nail in the coffin for the GOAT conversation. All right. Uh, we're going to get to uh, something here now. Um, segment three coming up. Last segment, we got about a little bit under 10 minutes to go. ABW is touting a huge surprise for Wednesday's Dynamite show. Uh, Tony Khan it took Twitter saying the forbidden door is about to be opened, and then the person will sign with AEW and then slam it shut forever on the other promotion. There's a lot of rumors flying around for who. Tony Khan could be introducing on Wednesday. I've heard everything from Shane McMahon to Triple H to potentially Bray Bray Wyatt being introduced on Wednesday. Uh, Have you heard anything about uh, who could be the person uh, appearing on Wednesday night? So I heard pretty much the same. uh, I was reading the same kind of rumors that you were were just talking about. But, like, you know, I I think – Dude, if it's if it's, if it's uh, Shane or or Triple H, 
Um, that is a massive, massive boost. Like, that's like a crippling shot to WWE. If it's like a Bray Wyatt, I still think that, you know, the WWE is still going to be WWE. You know, they're still going to continue doing what they do. Um, they're, they're still, and, and I think, you know, AEW doesn't want to be known as, at some point, they don't want to be known as the, as the, the, the promotion that chases wrestlers of yesteryear, you know? Um, so, so I don't know if they're going to go ahead and grab a wrestler that is older anymore. I think they may go with like a Bray Wyatt, maybe, uh, is Braun Strowman in the, in, in the, in the works for that or no? I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. I, I even heard Jeff Hardy, but to have this that, hype, Again, that's an older, it's an older name, right? Older name, but to have this hype that the AEW Dynamite show, the show that changes everything, it's not, it can't be Jeff Hardy. It can't be No, he's too low of a name to be hyped up that much, you know. Uh, like a John Cena or a Triple Whoa, H. yeah. If it was like a, a John Cena or like a uh, shit. If it was the Viper, you know, like someone like that, like oh yeah, it, yeah. Randy Orton, John Cena, that would be like a big shock. Again, defibrillator to, to yeah. you know shock to WWE to say, you know, you've lost one of your flagship wrestlers, you know, um, that are still somewhat relevant now, right? You know, um, both Cena and and Orton. Have wrestled recently enough, you know, to say that they're that they're uh, somewhat relevant, right? So I, yeah, I'm excited for the Wednesday show. I mean, like you said, to say have the hype that says the signing that changes everything. I mean, if it's Triple H and he goes, and Triple H obviously I don't think would be signing with AEW to wrestle though is the thing because he's he's older. Maybe the and I don't think they would tout him. I don't think they would tout Triple H as the signing that changes everything because if he was in a more of a backstage kind of role. If it's a, it's a and the same goes for Shane, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, it has to be someone that... Is, unless, unless their pitch is that they, they're able to grab a management guy of caliber X that now is able to bring more stars from that promotion over. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they grab Shane or they grab Triple H, you know a lot more of the roster from WWE is going to be moving over to AEW. That yeah. could be the change. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious who this is going to be, uh, what the big surprise is. The Forbidden Door. I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody in Impact that would have so much hype that – all, that all of a sudden it would be and, – and, you know, AEW works with Impact because they had the, the the champion, Christian Cage, had the belt and was wrestling on AEW. So I, I that wouldn't be a surprise. It has to be someone from WWE that's a huge name. And, I mean, they had a, a lot of hype for CM Punk. There was a lot of hype for Brian Danielson. Yep. I don't know who this could be. Uh, I, I think – who you pointed out, it would have to be someone where it's just like, wow, he's with AEW now. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't know who that, who that person is. Uh, I mean, can, can, can you think, can it be like Samoa Joe or can it be, uh, um, well, Joe's I don't know. Like a hype though about the person that changes everything, you know, I, I don't know. What about right? like Seth Rollins? Maybe Seth Rollins, but, 
Uh, you know, and I, yeah, I know Keith Lee is might maybe heading to AEW. He's not going to get that reaction where it's, um, where it's like, oh man, this is such a big name. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I still think it's Bray Wyatt. I think Bray Wyatt's going to show up on Wednesday. And, but that's that's not. But that's not a huge change, though. You know, unless he's bringing like. Along with him, WWE, uh, they were gonna have him come back, and he turned it down. That's fine. You have a little bit of build up towards that, but like, do you think that Bray will have, you know, enough pull to bring younger wrestlers from WWE over now to AEW? I don't know, man. I don't think so. That's the thing. I don't think so. I think right now their bread and butter is that they're using their CM Punk, their Daniel Bryan. They're using these names. Before that, they used uh, – uh, what the hell was his name, man? Um, come on, man. Jericho. You know, they had, they had Jericho. You know, so, so they, they did a bunch of, you know, uh, pulling of older stars um, or stars that, for that matter, like CM Punk who hadn't wrestled in a while, um, but still a star nonetheless. He, they were able to do that. I think that's a, their, their bread and butter right now. I think that's the same route they're going to take. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll find if that's out. the case, then we're in for a big change because if they pull like a marquee name, yeah, that's huge, it huge is. for them. What if they pull like a, a previous, like a Hall of Fame star, like a Shawn Michaels or someone to, to lead their management or something like that? That could be it too. Steve Austin, you know, some of these guys that, that oh, randomly make appearances. He's under contract right now with WWE. Okay. okay. I mean, some of these guys could be in contract with yeah. WWE. Some of them, you know, who knows? They could be in contract only for, like, you know, certain things. Like, contract in the sense where you you got to look at the contracts again, right? So, I mean, you got to yeah. see how it's spelled out. It could be spelled out just for merch or something like that or appearances. Yeah. All right. Last thing, uh, as we're running out of time, I wanted to tell you this. Half a Honus Wagner card, half of one, right? It wasn't even the full card. Sold for $475,000. Yeah, this is, um, that's pretty insane. Dude, you have a torn card that is still worth almost five, uh, half a million. Dollars. Like, how in the world does that happen, man? How does that happen? Only in this age, dude, because you have, like, used cars going for, like, an all-time high. You have houses selling double what they cost. You have, you know, money off of pictures that they just, you know, splashed around in their in their garage, you know. All of a sudden, it's an NFT that sells for $4 million, you know. So, it's just, just it, this day and age, man. I don't know what to tell you. All these rookie cards we were talking about, well, I, I remember a couple of shows ago, we, we had a conversation. I was just like, Anthony Davis's rookie card sold for a million. You were like, no way. And we looked it up. It was $1.14 million. And Anthony Davis, who hasn't who's barely been in the league considering his injury time and everything else. He's barely been in the league. He's won one ring and his, and his rookie card's worth a million bucks. That's crazy. Crazy. All right, folks, that's all the time we got. Uh, have a great Monday night. Uh, we will be with you Friday for the Super Bowl Spectacular. Have a couple of guests that are appearing on Friday um, to talk about the game. Uh, we're going to play Super Bowl Superlatives. Uh, We'll have a fun show on Friday, all geared towards the Super Bowl. Thanks, guys. Call of Meat, take us out. (laughs) 